Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos. This is the podcast where I talk with a member of the Magic the Gathering community and we focus on Magic Arena. I've got a return guest this week. Please welcome back to the podcast, Bad Wolf MTG. Thanks for having me on again. Glad I didn't scare you off last time. <laughs> no, I, I always love talking with a variety of people. And um, after they come in, in the on the first episode, I like having them back. And then we can chat a little bit more in detail, perhaps. Yeah, it's always fun to get to know people a little bit better than just a mm-hmm. quick one time. Do you have uh, any uh, social media or anything you'd like to promote? Yes, I have a YouTube channel, VanWolfMTG, and I'm also pretty active on Twitter. Um, I do a lot of different stuff, mostly around magic, pretty much all around magic and cakes and mm-hmm. lots of craft projects and things related to magic. I like to kind of bring magic into the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I do that on my YouTube channel. Let me take a moment to thank you for being part of that Follow Friday uh, chain that you've got going on. Yeah, of course. I enjoy finding new content creators and uh, watching other people do what they love. Yeah, it's been a great way to kind of get to know more people and to follow and to see what everyone's up to. So um, how long have you been doing something like that where you kind of like shout out to a bunch of people on social media? Um, Probably since, oh, um, I know MTG Strategist kind of started and headed it up with his We Are MTG and... Um, then he did the content creator awards last year. And so it's kind of been a rough since then that I've been trying to, you mm-hmm. know, promote more people and make sure that um, I share out those people that I enjoy watching and enjoy mm-hmm. their content. Very nice. I, I kind of borrowed a, a little bit of your idea in terms of that on Twitter. I put together a list, uh, you know, a Twitter list of people that I've had on the podcast. So uh, I'm going to put that in the show notes. Maybe if people just want to follow that list on Twitter to uh, check out everyone that's been on the podcast to keep up to date with them. So how has your sort of like uh, magic uh, gameplay, uh, magic uh, experiences at, at the moment been going from a scale of one to Teferi? One to Teferi? Why are we ranking him as the top? It should be one to Chandra. There you go. <laughs> That's there. my scale. Okay, well, we just have to then pick which Chandra. Acolyte of Flame. I mean, Awakened Inferno can't be countered. That is the <laughs> cream of the crop right there. Yes. And that's about how my stuff's been going. It's just been so much fun playing, and I've just been enjoying every minute of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was actually one of my pulls in a recent draft, and um, she was just so useful to do the minus X right away to take out one of their pesky mm-hmm. one of their pesky five five creatures and I can swing in for damage and then start doing the plus one to give that that little emblem to ping them away every turn. So good. So good. I love her a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, the topic of the day is we're going to get into detail on a few different cards from a few different sets. Um, let's start off first with a a set that's not um, on arena, but is has been on everyone's minds recently. We'll we'll do a little bit of chatting about Modern Horizons. Um, is there any card in Modern Horizons that has been interesting to you, or stood out to you, or you know, for any reason, gameplay or artwork or anything about it? Yeah, there is one in particular. Like I said, um, I'm very much a red mage. 
And when they um, spoiled season Pyromancer and kind of talked mm. about the art on it and how this is, you know, the Pyromancer kind of grown up and now he's cosplaying Chandra. And I <laughs> thought that was just so awesome. So I'd have to say him. Yeah, that it's it's just so cool what they did uh, about Modern Horizons on a bunch of different levels in terms of cool cards, but also like these throwbacks to things. This is obviously the evolution of, of young Pyromancer, um, but it's like that extra level, uh, like, you know, the, uh, so he's kind of like cosplaying his mentor. And I wonder if there really is some sort of story. I don't know if I was reading the lore or anything. Was there, do you know if there was any backstory between young Pyromancer and, and Chandra? I don't think there was, but I haven't been around in Lord that long, so I came in right at the tail end of that time when Pyromancer was in Standard, so I wasn't caught up on all the lore and stuff like that, but I don't have to go back and look and see. Mm -hmm. So the seasoned Pyromancer has grown up. Um, he's still a 2-2, but he's got some cool abilities where he lets you discard cards and then draw some more. Um, what do you think about sort of like Red's uh, impulse draw? I believe that's what they call it when you sacrifice or when you discard cards to draw more cards. I, I love it. It's just, it's like throwing caution to the wind. And yes, I could burn something with fire, but you know, I could get something out of it. And it just plays right into that red mentality. And I absolutely love it. When Madness was in standard, I was all over that deck and I was playing that all the time because I just loved the, that ability, you know, discarding cards and what am I going to get? Is it going to be better than what I'm discarding or, mm -hmm. or not? It's just, a, it's just a surprise each time and then he's also got uh, he can commune with elementals if you happened to to discard some non-land cards so it looks like well we'll get to it when we talk about m20 but um elementals uh do you do you put very many elementals in any of your decks i haven't yet really i know the teamer elemental and um has been pretty popular in standard right now but I'm not usually one to play with a lot of tokens unless they're goblins. Mm -hmm. But I am. I have been looking at that elemental deck and wanting to give it a, a good shot. I just haven't had enough uh, wild cards yet in Arena to put it together. Mm -hmm. If you go all the way back to the early days of Magic, there's always been uh, the fire elemental, um, which uh, was also reprinted in in Corsa 2020. So that one's sort of like, it's not as uh, famous at the moment, the fire elemental, like the other uh, elementals that are kind of a uh, shaping standard. But that's a card that I remember when I first played during the first generation of, of Magic back in the 90s, fire elemental. And it's always kind of been around. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to put out fire, isn't it? <laughs> there, uh, exactly. There's no seasoned hydromancer. Exactly. There's only a seasoned pyromancer. The last ability that the seasoned pyromancer has is it can uh, exile itself and then create some more elemental tokens. So that's interesting. That's It's not named as such, but that's sort of like a flashback cost in that you pay this extra, you pay this amount and then exile it. And you, uh, I guess he ascended to, to become elementals. Yeah, that's, that was his whole goal in life. Mm -hmm. to, become to become one, one with, with the, the fire. fire. Yep, <laughs> <exactly>. Jinx. <laughs> so cool. Um, myself in uh, 
in uh, Modern Horizons. Uh, my sort of thing is I like to play uh, cat decks. And, uh, you know, it's not a big tier deck, but it's fun for me because I like cats in real life. And so in in Modern Horizons, unfortunately, there was only one cat that I saw, which was King of the Pride. But it's a nice one. It's a two and a white. You get a two one creature cat. And then the ability is other cats you control get plus two plus one. So that's going to play pretty nicely in my Selesnia uh, cat deck to just make my little kit, uh, little kitties into big kitties. Yeah, that'll be awesome. That'll be perfect for it. I know they printed uh, the the white one in Almond Cat. That's a big Lord booster, but mm-hmm. having something cost a lot less is really nice to have that tribal support. I'm, I like that they've been pushing that recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one was Regal Caracal. I definitely run that one in my. In my Selesnia deck, uh, I think that one's five mana, and in King of the Pride is only three, so definitely get this one out faster. And, and it's kind of interesting with a plus two, plus one. Usually just see plus one, plus ones, or maybe two, plus one, plus ones. Yeah, you don't usually see a plus two, plus one. Mm-hmm. Another throwback that's in this one is the um, the flavor text. It says, Glorious to walk again across the savannah with my beloved. And that's a quote from the love song of Night and Day, which was one of the early... Um, one of the early bits of lore that Wizards created way back in 1996 with their Mirage block. Uh, have you ever heard of this sort of like a fictional story, The Love Song of Night and Day? I haven't. To be fair, I was only six when it came out. <laughs> oh, you can be you can be forgiven then. Um, so yeah, back then there was a set called Mirage. It was a three block set that was um, like Savannah inspired, and that's actually the first set where uh, Teferi came out. Um, but there was this like lore, this this book in the world at the time. Um, and it was like various excerpts from this book and they were putting it in various cards and it was about the love song of night and day, how the sun is in love with the moon, but they can't really be together because, you know, they're on opposing sides of the world and they're always sort of, uh, um, you know, wanting to be with each other. I've started going back and looking at the lore, um, for some of the older stuff. So I'm definitely going to have to check that out. That sounds really interesting. Mm hmm. Back then, I wasn't able to get booster packs as as much as I would like. I'd have to save up and get like one once in a while, and so I never, I don't ever, I don't think I ever got like the full story of it. But I remember thumbing through my cards, and I would see this flavor text, and it would, I would start to connect the dots with this particular story. I think nowadays there's a really great deep current of of the story in the cards and the ancillary things like reading uh, the lore on, on the, on the website. Uh, do you ever sort of uh, check out any of the, of the lore on, on the mothership? Yes, I do. I absolutely love it. Um, at one point I was using it as bedtime stories mm-hmm. and kind of making it a little less violent and a little <laughs> less bloody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think the art and the lore is what really keeps me in this game. Mm-hmm. I'm, I just, it's its the reason I stick around. The game's great, but mm-hmm. having that extra flavor and just that world building of the art and the lore is just what keeps me around. And I just, I can't get enough of it. Mm-hmm. Same here. I was reading it. So I got back, 
I got back into magic after Hour of Devastation 2017, and uh, I started to read some of the, the lore on the site uh, during Hour of Devastation. So I went back and read a little bit of Amonkhet to get the full picture. And then I got hooked, and then I read Ixalan, and that was really good. I really liked that one. And then I read Dominaria, but I went all the way to like uh, maybe chapter 11 out of 12, and for whatever reason, I didn't quite finish it. So I've gone back to start rereading things again because I've got the gap between um, Dominaria to some of the uh, War of the Sparks stuff. So I want to get back and, and read those. But uh, that's a you know, bedtime story for myself. I don't have kids, so I read it to myself. Okay. That's, I mean, I do too. Mm-hmm. Bedtime stories are the greatest. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, um, any final thoughts on Modern Horizons? Did you get to play it very much or get any cards or anything? Um, I think I opened a few boosters, but I didn't really get to go play it. And I didn't see anything that um, really spoke to me for my burn deck that I have, because I only Mm -hmm. have one modern deck right now. And so there wasn't anything that was too, I have to have this in my burn deck. So I haven't really picked anything up from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, myself, like I didn't, I didn't really get to play it too much. My play group uh, thought the boosters were a little pricey, so I didn't, uh, uh, didn't get to play with them much. But I picked up a few boosters here and there to try to crack a few things and maybe add to a deck or two. I also have a Demir deck and picked up a couple of uh, on color things. But um, uh, what did you think of the um, the art cards? The inserts with the arts in them. Yeah. I I really liked it. I have a ton of magic artwork all over my house mm. that I have gone and I've bought and I've framed because I just absolutely, like I said, I love the art in this. And so to have them be put on little cards and have, you know, the artist's signature and have it be all official and stuff. Mm. I'm working on putting a, a frame together with the ones that I did open. I think I got like I opened like six packs or something like that. And that was it. So I'm working on putting it together in a frame with all the art mm-hmm. just because I, I love, I love the art from, I mean, they, they get such talented artists to do this work. And then the pieces are so intriguing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I adore it. And I'm glad they're doing stuff like that. And um, the more specialer sets. I don't, I don't know if I'd like it and like the standard block stuff, mm-hmm. but like in modern horizons, I think it was a great fit. Hmm. Yeah, I think so too. That's just a a different thing to look forward to when you're opening the boosters. So um, I wonder if they'll have any value. But even if they don't, they're like wonderful little works of art to to look through when when you go through your notebook. So speaking of art, I actually went to San Diego Comic Con this uh, this month or this past month, and I met one of the old school artists from back in the 90s, Phil Foglio. He had a booth there, and uh, he did some great art that I loved from back in the day. It was very cartoony, very cartoony style, which I enjoy. It really doesn't fit with magic nowadays, unfortunately. It's too cartoony. But he had a book there that they published for the 20th anniversary of magic. Um, It was called The Gathering, Reuniting Pioneering Artists of Magic the Gathering. So 20 years after the game was published, they went back to some of like the first group of 20 to 25 artists, and they had them update a work that they did 20 years ago to a more uh, current or modern version or whatever. So if you're interested in the art of magic, try looking that up. It's called The Gathering, Reuniting Pioneering Artists of of Magic the Gathering. And it's really cool to thumb through it because, you know, the artist that did uh, Black Lotus, uh, it's like his version, how he would do it 20 years later, um, the various mocks 
uh, they're there in a new version and like dark ritual and, and all of that. So it's really interesting to see what the artists would do if they were given a chance 20 years later to, to redo a classic piece. Oh, I'll have to go look that up. That looks so, that sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. I'll, uh, I'll send you the link to that. And uh, so I got it signed by, by, by Phil Foglio and he, he had this really fun uh, card called Master Decoy. And it's basically a guy riding a zebra unicorn distracting an army. Um, and his, uh, his more modern version is more like a, uh, a green lady of the lake distracting the troops. Uh, so I thought that that was really funny. So just to see like, what would they do then? And what would they do now? And their art styles can change a lot, but, uh, you still get a sense of that was the artist that I remember from those cards from a long time ago. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. Especially for the artists to be able to go back and revisit some of their stuff. I know as a software engineer, it's always interesting to be asked to, okay, we need to rewrite something that you wrote a while back and to mm -hmm. go back and try and redo it and do it better and mm -hmm. know where you made your mistakes and kind of change those things. And mm -hmm. so it seems like a really interesting book. Mm hmm. Well, moving on to the second set um, that we were going to talk about. This one is not too much of a big card pool to choose from because we're right in the middle as of the recording. As of this recording, we're right in the middle of Commander 2019's uh, reveals. So is there any card that's been revealed so far uh, on Commander 2019 that interests you? Yes, there's quite a few of them, but I think my favorite one that's been revealed so far, I told you earlier that I like the I like the madness mechanic mm -hmm. back when it was in standard. And so when they revealed Angie Flacker and Wrath, mm -hmm. the the commander vampire, I was so excited. Um she's only three mana too. Uh, mm -hmm. um Rakdos colors and another one white or another mana of any color. Yes. Um so she's even perfect for a tiny leader if I Mm -hmm. decide to build something around there but oh i absolutely adore the mannistic mechanic and they're building a whole entire deck around it and i'm so excited to that is one of the ones i'm going to be purchasing and playing quite a bit of it mm -hmm. i am very excited to play with her because i like the madness mechanic a lot mm -hmm. you know i was actually going to pick that same card myself Oh, no. <laughs> we hadn't we hadn't planned it, uh, dear listeners. So we both were going to pick this one. So um, yeah, I was going to pick it a little bit more for the vampire synergy. I thought she'd be, uh, I, I thought it'd be a cool thing to try to do a you know vampire tribal uh, commander deck uh, or you know brawl deck or or anything like that. So actually, brawl wouldn't work. Never mind. But a, a <laughs> commander deck. Um, and, or Oathbreaker, that's the new hotness, right? That's the one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Madness, I wasn't really playing when that one was out. And I've picked up cards here and there that say Madness. And I kind of like read and reread the explanation of what Madness is, but I still don't get it. Maybe you can kind of explain how Madness works to me. So Madness is usually an alternate cost that you can pay. Um, but you can only pay it if for some reason you have to discard that card. Mm hmm so in her case, whenever you tap and discard a card, you get to draw another card. Mm -hmm. So if you have a handful of Madness cards, you tap her, you can discard one of those, 
And at that time, if you want to play that card for its madness cost, you can go ahead and do that because mm. you're discarding it. Oh, okay. So it's kind of a way to get value out of those cards you have to discard mm -hmm. with that extra cost. And you can actually use them. And usually the madness costs are cheaper um, because you have to also trigger it with the having to discard it at the same time. Mm -hmm. So they feel like that is a, a cost in of itself is to have to discard it. So then you usually have to pay, pay mm -hmm. less to do that. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense as, as an alternate alternate costs that may be cheaper okay interesting yeah i guess because when i i saw a few madness cards when i got back into magic and i kind of see them once in a while and, and they're not in my head enough to like remember exactly how it works but that makes sense because alternate cost you could get uh, some usage out of a card that might not be as useful at that moment and then so built into angie here it's cool you you're you're already doing the discard plus a draw and you could get even more upside if you discard a card with madness because then you untap her and you maybe do it again. Exactly. And mm. you could just chain them and go off as long as you have enough mana. You could you could go on for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And what's nice is the, the seasoned pyromancer, uh, since you have to discard mm -hmm. two cards there, you discard two madness cards, get to play them, and you get to draw two cards on top of it. And it it works out because you you're not really losing those cards when you when you discard them it's, it's not like you know you're just dumping them in the battlefield you get to actually use the madness cost play mm -hmm. them so that's that's why i really like her but it's really cool that we both pick the same card but for for different reasons and that's what's yeah. so cool about commander and how they design things is that people can love the same card mm -hmm. and build totally different decks around them Mm-hmm. I am actually uh, in in my play group. We've got uh, three players that are doing a uh, a dinosaur deck in the red, white, and green colors, and each one of us does it a little bit different. Two people have a Zakama, the nine nine legendary dinosaur, and uh, the other person has the Gishath, uh, Sun's avatar. So. Three different people with a, you know, dinosaur deck, but with different amounts of ramp and mana rocks or ancillary things. And uh, it's just uh, exactly like you said, different, uh, different ways to play commander. And that's one of the great things about it. Mm -hmm. That's I, I, I just that's why for me, it's such a hard format to play is because there's so many different things you can do. Mm -hmm. And I have a hard time deciding. So I, I never know what what I should do or what deck I should build or which cards I should add. So mm -hmm. having that giant pool just kind of, that's why I like having the pre-constructed decks because it gives yeah. me at least a starting place to go for and okay, this works in this manner and I can play with it and tweak it just, you know, just a tiny bit, but I have a good solid base mm -hmm. that I know works. Yeah, I think they've done a great job of that in terms of here's pre-constructed decks, kind of pick a theme, pick a concept, and then as you play with the cards, you kind of develop it into something more your own. Um, since I got back to ma into Magic in 2017, I've been, you know, getting a bunch of cards and cards that don't get used. So kind of what I do is I, I look back through what I have and try to make a, a decks out of that, commander decks or modern decks or whatever. And instead of like trying to go off and buy like the exact perfect you know, perfectly costed, expensive card or whatever, I have a version of it in my commander deck and we're not like super spiky about it. So it'll work just fine. And I give those cards a, a second use. 
this particular card as well. Uh, the art is pretty amazing, isn't it? We have uh, Angie right there, and uh, it's kind of evocative of the concept of madness in even in the flavor text, wouldn't you say? Yes, the flavor text is just a, a beautiful little gem. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just it's just perfect. It, I don't, it describes me a little bit, you know, <laughs> having that, that tiny bit of unknown, tiny bit of not sure what'll happen and just that, that crazy side of you that you kind of keep hidden from mm -hmm. most people. <laughs> I see the artist is Cynthia Shepard and just kind of browsing through her other pieces. She also did Ashiok Dream Renderer, uh, one of my favorite cards recently from War of the Spark. And it's also got that sort of like ethereal bit of it that it's like something's off. So I enjoy that. Yeah, and she actually also did a season pyromancer too. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, cool. So there's that style that uh, an artist um, can bring into their pieces. That's always enjoyable that there's kind of a little bit um, that you recognize about them. According to this uh, this list also, she's, she, did a, she did a cat dragon token. That looks pretty fun. Oh, yes. Those, that, that was a fun commander deck. <laughs> I like that one. So somewhat related, uh, any thoughts? Well, I know this is a great segue, actually, because we're talking about we just talked about two formats that aren't on Arena, and we're going to talk about a format that is on Arena. But in the middle, uh, apparently Brawl 1v1 is coming to Arena. Any general thoughts on that? That is pretty exciting. Um, having that implemented in the coming from I've told you a software engineering background, mm -hmm. having that kind of 1v1 style with the command zone sort of style going for it means that if they have that implemented for Brawl, it should be fairly simple to put that something like Commander on Arena. So mm -hmm. I like where that's headed, that they're able to put um, a bunch of different formats on there. Mm -hmm. um, and I hope they keep expanding because um, I think Arena is the future uh, for online magic, um, and I like having a bunch of other formats to be able to play on there. And Commander is a very, very popular one, and I think if they want it to be successful, they ha they have to facilitate that on Arena. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, I played a couple of games in real life uh, of Brawl, and it was it was cool. It was sort of like if you didn't want to get into the full commander with the huge card pool and all of that well try to build commander with standard so i thought that was interesting and uh, again trying to use cards that i had previously so yeah that was nice uh having it on arena then with wild cards and being able to build any sort of deck that you have with that card pool i think it's going to be really cool um do you think they'll unlock maybe like go back and bring back kaladesh or hour of devastation for for it hey, wait a minute what am i talking about it's gonna be brawl so never mind what am i talking about <laughs> well yeah unfortunately yeah the the rotation kind of hinders things a little bit and that's why i've been a little hesitant to bust into brawl on paper just mm -hmm. because when i when i build a commander deck i don't go around um, changing too much of it i mean if a new card comes in a set uh, yeah i might switch out a card but i mm -hmm. like keeping kind of that stock list and brawl is an ever-changing format so you've got to adapt and move with that and so it's been hard for me to mm -hmm. in invest into that in paper but it, i 
yeah, I'm really glad it's coming onto Arena because I feel a lot better about spending my wild cards on things there mm-hmm. um, instead of on paper products. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree on that. I think it's going to finally give the push that Wizards wanted for the format that was just a little bit more difficult to implement in in paper. So I uh, can't wait to try that out. And then maybe we'll, uh, we'll battle some Brawl decks when the time comes. Yeah, sounds good. So the final set that we wanted to talk about was uh, a set that is fully available on Arena and uh, a lot of cards to choose from. So in Corset 2020, um, it might be a little too limiting, but what about a couple of cards perhaps that you like in Corset 2020? I have always been a big fan of dinosaurs. When we went to Ixalan, I was Mm -hmm. super, super excited and I loved it. And it was just a blast. And there's quite a few dinosaurs in Core 2020 set that uh, they've printed. And I love a lot of them. Um, But I think my favorite one is Shifting Ceratops. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the four mana five four that can't be countered and it has protection from blue. And I, well, and it also has another sweet ability, but that can't be countered and protection from blue really just sold me when I read that. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not a big fan of having my cards said no to. Um, <laughs> so I really like being able to play them. Um, and back when um, Cons was out, I don't know if you remember Savage Knuckleblade. No, that was a little bit before my time. Was that another really cool dinosaur? It wasn't a dinosaur, but it was in the teamer colors and it had um, where you could play it out and then it had you pay mana and you could give it some abilities. And this shifting ceratops reminded me a lot of it. Um, because one of the abilities you could give it was haste. And so you could get this, uh, like a 4-4, I think it was, or a 3-3 out on turn 4 and give it haste and attack and swing with it. Mm -hmm. And if you had enough extra mana, you could pump it, and you could also protect it from blue by returning it to your hand. You could pay some blue and have it return back your hand to protect it from some some spells. And so having the shifting ceratops kind of had that, you can either give it reach, trample, or haste until end of turn, by paying extra mana to it reminded me a lot of that Savage Knuckle Blades, and I absolutely love that card, and I loved playing it. And so to have this dinosaur kind of remind me a little bit of that was, mm-hmm. I was really excited for that. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool that it seems like these modal cards are sort of like a little bit more the way of things in terms of here's a card that does something, and you've got some abilities that you might pay for in a variety of ways and you can do different things so the ceratops if i've got the mana for it i can give it either reach trample or haste or all three if i've got the mana for it so uh, it really is um, a a good threat that that evolves and it's one of these uh, color hosers that they kind of put into the set isn't it yes and it's nice that they give you that choices. So depending on where you're at in the game and what situation you're in, this could be the card that saves you because you can give it reach. Or in a different instance, if you need to attack some more, you could give it trample and haste and you can, you know, get the close the game out quicker with the the same dinosaur. It's such a I like you said, I love the modal options because it just makes it so versatile. Mm-hmm. 
I actually had someone holding me off at bay pretty well on Arena recently. They had their Shifting Ceratops, and I was playing a mono blue tempo deck, uh, one of the recent variations of it. And so I had, you know, a, a Tempest Gin, and it was going to grow, um, you know, a big old 5-4 flyer or whatever. But then they brought out their Ceratops. I couldn't counter it. It had protection from blue, and it could get reach. So even if I made my Jin, you know, a 7-4 a flyer, it was just going to get swatted out of the sky with one of its little horns. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it would have been way too powerful at a, at a lower rarity? Yeah, I think so. Um, just with the, the ramp that there is in green, getting this out pretty quick, mm-hmm. especially if you had multiple of them, would be it would be super hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. What about, however, since it seems to be a little bit more pushed towards anti-blue, you know, it, uh, murder will take care of it or, or uh, pacifism? That's true, it will um, with those cards, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's why you always draft removal, right? Yeah. For myself in Corset, um, I I didn't see as many uh, on-brand cards for myself, which would be cat cards. Uh, so there's basically Chandra's Ember Cat would be the I think the would be tied for one of the best cats in Corset 2020, along with the Frostlinks, because the Frostlinks can lock down your opponent's creature for a turn. So a little bit of blue shenanigans there. But I think Chandra's Ember Cat is amazing if you want to, uh, you know, you get this uh, you get this mana dork to help you cast Chandra's or Elemental. So I think that's a, a really fun card uh, to put in an Elemental slash uh, cat deck. Man, that'll be perfect for your cat deck. Mm-hmm. It's only a 2-2 two, two for 2, but it's got that ability to make a little bit of mana. And um, I, I might, however, I don't know how I fully feel about the flavor text. It's Chandra saying, Furballs, try dealing with fireballs. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then as usual, the art is amazing. This is a nice little flaming cat. I got. I think they get a great... They do a, a great job you, that you get a sense of like the shape of a cat, but then also it's on fire and you get uh, you get the little cat face and the ears and everything. And and it still looks so cute and adorable and you just want to go up and hug it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then you have to uh, go to the burn ward and, uh, you know, risks have to be taken. <laughs> yes. Let's see the artist on this is Johan Greiner. Have they done other things memorable? Oh, they also did the Creeping Trail Bla- the Creeping Trailblazer, part of that uh, Elementals deck. Rapacious Dragon. Ooh, so they put they sort of like stealth put in a smog into the set, didn't they? Rapacious Dragon is this uh, dragon that you get you summon it and it comes with a couple of treasures. Yeah, treasure tokens. That's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Have you played very many uh, elementals uh, on uh, on arena, drafting or constructed? And I mean, like the elemental decks. Not as many as I would like. I have played quite a few. I got to play the Ember Cat and um, turn her into use that mana for some elementals on. I think the sealed game I did, um, but I have not gotten to play as much as I like. So I'm gonna have to just keep playing more. Hmm. I tried doing a mono-red 
draft deck the other day and it and it seemed to go okay once in a while but uh, you, if you run into any opponents that did put any, you know, anti-red cards, it, it definitely falters. But um, I had, I had never really done that. I, I do try to do two colors most of the time. I've never really done mono colors. What about yourself? Do you find yourself going to two or three or one color when you when you draft? Usually, when I draft, I do um, two colors. I try to stick with that because I'm more comfortable in that route than. I just feel like the the monocolored drafts are harder to pull off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you might not get a very good card pool, and they might not actually synergize that well. And I guess just the allure of having no mana fixing problems is too is too much uh, is too much. And it kind of may maybe might take you to a route that won't work as well. And like hats off to people that can do three colors because I'm like so scared to do three colors on on limited. Mm -hmm. Every time I've tried three colors, it has ended very poorly. Mm -hmm. And people seem to use this Ember Cat pretty well as well. So uh, it seems that the uh, Elementals deck is is pretty good. Uh, any other any other cards or decks or strategies that stand out to you when you draft Corset 2020? I haven't gotten to draft it as much as I would like. Um, so there's... So I'm still trying to learn those, what those archetypes and stuff are. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I, yeah, I hear I hear white's not very good, and green's got some good ramp in it. So that's where I tried to to stick in is the the red and the green. Plus that lines up a lot better with my play style. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I seem to only be able to draft on the weekends. I try to do the quests over the the week to get to the gold, and that's worked out just fine because then uh, I do my stream and get a little bit of an audience, and we draft a little bit together, and uh, you know you just have to practice, uh, and you you get a whole you get a hang of things. So uh, that's one of the great things again about Arena that it's a very low cost, a very low barrier to entry, and you can just play Magic in a bunch of different ways. So I think we picked a few interesting cards that uh, will work in a variety of our decks with our play styles. Any final thoughts on any of the recent uh, sets that have come out or future sets? Um, I am really looking forward to Commander. Um, it is the one format that I really like and forced my husband to sit down and play with me on it. <laughs> I'm like, here's the pre-constructed deck you get. Here's the one I get. Let's go. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really looking forward to those coming out because I usually pick them all up and then I force them to play all of them mm -hmm. with me at some point. And it's just a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And that would be even fun for like any sort of a get together with, with more friends. Uh, so kudos to the company to kind of put out this great sort of multiplayer multiplayer um product now is there anything non-magic related that you've been up to recently that you'd like to share oh well my sister taught me how to use a serger and so i've been sewing up a storm mm -hmm. and i'm kind of starting to delve down the cosplay hole so i'm pretty excited about that mm -hmm. it's been pretty fun and interesting so there'll probably be some magic cosplays coming um <laughs> eventually but it's it's just been a lot of blast and it's fun to be able to 
pick out exactly what kind of fabrics and patterns I want to wear and make something for myself that fits perfectly. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of cosplay, um, you might want to uh, check out Hinalika's uh, streams. I'll, I'll give you her link. She was a guest on, on a recent uh, episode of the podcast, and she dressed up as Chandra in, in her uh, recent stream. Um, so... Uh, I think that might be, uh, have, uh, that is, have you thought about uh, cosplaying on any of your streams? Um, I don't stream very often, but um, yes, I have definitely thought about cosplaying um, in some of my videos. Uh, for Halloween one year, I was, a, I was Yang from Ruby, and so I wore hmm. that on one of my videos, <laughs> and I had a blast with it. So, I mean, the next logical step would be to um, be Chandra on a video of mine and yes. that's what I'm kind of working towards I've got some of the fabrics picked out for the one I want to do and I've just gotta sew it all up and mm -hmm. find all the little pieces and get all the accessories right and figure out how to make my hair orange <laughs> and on fire just uh, you know uh, wash it in uh, crush soda and I think it'll work I think so. I think that is a good plan. I'll get some backup orange Kool-Aid just mm -hmm. in case. Mm -hmm. Well, one non-magic thing that I uh, did recently was, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I went to San Diego Comic-Con, and that, that was pretty amazing. But uh, it reminded me that I've been going for a little while, and I'm not getting any younger because my neck hurt by the end of it, and my feet hurt, and my back hurt, and everything hurt. But it was a great uh, four days of uh, San Diego Comic-Con. It looked like you had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I was actually at the, uh, I was at Mark Rosewater's presentation where he revealed uh, Throne of Eldraine. And we don't really have that many cards to, to talk about Throne of Eldraine, but maybe uh, any any thoughts on Throne of Eldraine? The artwork is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to see what other cards they have coming out and the story and the lore. I'm super excited for that. Uh, Rowan, when they first released her in um, the Battlebond set, I was super excited. I was mm -hmm. like, that's something I could cosplay without having to do anything to my hair. Because mm -hmm. That's always scared me having to dye my hair and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I was so excited when I found out that this was her home plane and she's coming back and we're going to get a standard set with her in it. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to see the lore behind that. Yeah, it looks like it'll be uh, really cool to combine the two concepts. They they dub it as Grimm's Fairy Tales meets Arthurian legend, right? So there's just a lot of deep, uh, rich concepts to pull uh, into it and give it the magic spin. And yeah, the art is looking really, really nice. So it was really cool to be in that room where when when Mark was revealing everything in the audience, just cheering and and eating it all up. And I, I was streaming it, but I got a terrible seat in the back, so it doesn't look that great. But hopefully if people watch that that uh, that replay of mine, they will see kind of the excitement of of being in that room and just everyone uh, just uh, enjoying it and uh, so hyped. Well, Bad Wolf, as we wind down, would you like to promote anything? Um, yeah, I've got a YouTube channel, um, Bad Wolf MTG, and I post on there fairly regularly, a lot of arena content, and also I do a lot of um, crafting and things like that on there that I relate back to magic, because um, I like it a lot, and mm -hmm. so I try to bring it 
into my normal life. And so it, it's a lot of fun trying to find ways to just bring it more subtly in and sometimes less subtly. <laughs> I really enjoy that. Um, but I also have a Twitter too that I'm pretty active on, Bad Wolf MTG on there. So. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I'll put any links that you'd like in the show notes. And uh, hopefully people will uh, come check out your stuff and um, uh, maybe see a few uh, baked goods here and there as well. I sure hope so. I need mm-hmm. to bake more cakes. Mm-hmm. On, a, on a totally t- tangential thing, I... Uh, I use an example when I talk about in, in my day job, when I talk about, because I do uh, some programming things as well, but I use an example whenever I need to talk about like a product or a store that we need to code or whatever. I always use the example of the fictional company, Victor's Bakery. So I'm always talking about cakes and cupcakes and all of that and how we need to set up our, our input fields to capture all of the, the data for it and such. It's, it's a really great analogy. And plus, then you can go get like cupcakes or cakes and eat them too. And it's just a good place to be with yeah. cakes. Yeah, bring the coding to life. Well, as for myself, people can find me on Twitter. I'm at twitter.com slash vmcampos. I'm on YouTube, youtube.com slash vmcamposjr. And actually, uh, I'm going to mention that I am going to be uh, sponsored by Wizards of the Coast. I'll be part of their uh, featured streamers on the week of August 19th. Um, It's going to be on that Monday the 19th where... uh, Wizards will tweet out that I'm live and it's going to be at 3.33 p.m. And all that week I'm going to be streaming at 3.33 p.m. Um, and giving away uh, arena codes and all that fun stuff. So that'll be at my YouTube, youtube.com slash vmcomposjr. And probably I'll simulcast it at Twitch and that's twitch.tv slash well, Bad Wolf, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. This has been VM Campos, and I'll see you in the arena. <laughs>